This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. Now I'm going to read out of the Amplified Translation. It says, For this commandment, which I command you this day, is not too difficult for you. Say, it's not too difficult for me. You know, a lot of times when we hear God's Word, we think there's no way that I can do what, what God's telling me to do. God would never tell us to do something that we didn't have the ability to do. Amen. Say, it's not too difficult for me. He says, nor is it far off. It is not a secret laid up in heaven that you should say, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it to us that we may hear and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear and do it. But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your mind and in your heart so that you can do it. Say, I can do it. See, I have set before you this day life and good and death and evil if, say if, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments and His statutes and His ordinances, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land into which you go to possess. Pause. You know God wants you to multiply, and He wants you to increase, and He has a good life for us. Let's keep going. Verse 17. But if, say if, if your mind and heart turn away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them. You know, when we read stuff like that and we think of other gods, sometimes we think of statues, statues or something like that, worshiping. Uh, you, know, you know, money can be a god. Yes. Success can be a god. So it's not out of our reach. Yeah, phones could be a God. <gasps> please, please don't go there. Let's keep reading. I declare you today that you shall surely perish and you shall not live long in the land which you pass over the Jordan to enter and possess. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth to witness this day against you that I have set before you life and death, the blessings and the curses. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. Do the choices you make matter? Yes. If there's an if in the Bible, then there's a choice. If there were no choice, then there would be no if. But anywhere you see if in the Bible, that lets us know there's a choice. So, so let's talk about a few things. Few, few sayings maybe that you, you've heard throughout, maybe throughout your life. Um, I know being in this long now and we go to all different types of churches and environments and, you know, just the body of Christ as a whole. Uh, how, this is, this is one of them, how can a good God send people to hell? You ever heard that saying before? He doesn't. It's not his choice. That's our choice. How about this one? God is in control. You ever heard that one? Plaques, bronze, <laughs> papers. In control of what? What's he in control of? Everything. 
Really? So, so let's just take you, for example. Yeah. Yesterday. Everything you thought, God was in control of it. Everything that came out of your mouth, God was in control of it. Whether you wore red underwear or green underwear, God was in control of it. Whether you had a raisin bran, some of you thinking no underwear, you missed out with no underwear. <laughs> Whether you had raisin bran or special K, you're telling me God was in control of that? God is in control of everything? Not so. Well, everything happens for a reason. You heard that one? Yeah. Everything does happen for a reason. Could be our dumb choices. <laughs> Just because something's happening doesn't mean it's the will of God. Just because it's happening doesn't mean that God is in control of it. Well, everything will work out for good. Come on. You heard that one? When everything is not working out for good. Everything works out for good for a very specific group of people. Everything working out for our good. Look at, look at Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It's on the first page of your sheet there. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, right. to those who are the called according to His purpose, yes, yes. to those, everything works out for good, to those who trust God, to those who have their confidence in God, to those who are willing to connect to God, yes. to those, yes. not just churchgoers, not t-shirt wearers, not cross wearers, to those who truly love God. Yeah, yeah. Amen. And to those who are called according to His purpose. In other words, you've answered the call. Not only have you stepped into relationship with Him, but you're staying in relationship with Him. Because the call is not just one time. Yes, the call to have a relationship with Him, that is a call that we all need to receive, but then God continues to talk. You know, use this example before, you know, our cell phones. Have you ever, you ever put yours on mute and all of a sudden, you know, somebody's calling and, and you hit the mute? Or it's on vibrate, you don't answer. Don't answer. Why? Too busy. Got other stuff to do. How many times do we do God the same way? God, I'm, I'm too busy to spend time with you. I got too much going to spend time with you. My, my, my family's this. This is going on. My, this, this is happening. Look at Psalms 115, verse 16. Do I believe God is all-knowing and all-powerful and almighty? You better believe He is. He is the almighty God. Yes. But when there's an if, then it lets us know there's a choice. Yeah, yeah. Psalms 115, verse 16, it says, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth, He's given to the children of men. The heavens are the Lord's. But the earth, He's given to the children of men. Mm -hmm. I thought God was in control of everything. 
Remember, remember what Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. In heaven. Why would he ask us to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven if it is already being done? If God was in control of everything, why would we need to pray? But he says, pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pause for a moment. What's the crime rate in heaven? How many tornadoes are taken out the east side of the throne room? What's the flood, flood, the hurricane status in the throne room? His will done on earth. Who's in control of the earth? We are. Ultimately, by right of creation, it is God's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But He gave it to us. Gave us dominion and authority. Think about that. His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Is there sickness in heaven? Is there lack in heaven? Is there disease in heaven? Is there poverty in heaven? Is there divorce in heaven? Is there destruction in heaven? No, no, no. Why? Because God is in control of everything in heaven. But He's not in control of everything on the earth. Matthew 16, verse 19, you can just look at this another time. He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The reason the earth is in the mess that it is in is because, not because of God. Insurance company says, well, it's an act of God. The fire was an act of God. The tornado was an act of God. Not the God I serve. He is a good, good father. Yes, sir. That is who he is. Evil comes out of evil. Good comes out of good. God is good. He's only good. Evil cannot come out of God because he's not evil. He's good. That's right. He's good. He's good. Go with me to Revelations 3.20. Revelations 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Notice this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And whether you like it or not, I'm going to come in. If you keep the door shut, I'm going to blow the door right off the hinges. I'm coming in anyway because I'm Almighty God and I'll do whatever I want, when I want, and whatever I please. You keep the door shut, I'll blow it up with dynamite. That isn't what he says, is it? He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And in order for me to come in, you've got to open the door and then I will come in and I will dine with you and you with me. Have we invited God into our life to the degree that He wants to come in? Come on. I would say no. Good word, Have we invited God into our families? Have we invited God into our businesses? Have we invited God? Because He's knocking. He wants to come in. He wants to take us further. He wants to take us deeper. He wants to reveal more of Himself. But God is in control of everything. Well, He'll come in anyway. He will make me worship Him. No, He won't. If He was going to make us do anything, He would make us get saved. If He was going to make us do anything in the Garden of Eden, when Eve went to eat that apple, He would have slapped it right out of her hand and said, Girl, don't you eat that. 
But he didn't, did he? Why? Because he's not in control of everything down here. The only time he comes into our families, comes into our finances, comes into our calling, comes into our life is when we invite him. Don't let him get halfway through and slam the door on him. Daily, it's a choice. God, I'm inviting you in. I'm inviting you in. Holy Spirit, I'm inviting you in. Everybody doing okay? Go with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. It's on your sheet there. And what we have right here is, and and so what we're doing is, is we're defining, okay, what is God and what is not God? And just because we have done it in church for 500 years doesn't make it right. Just because we've sung the songs for 500 years doesn't mean it's scriptural. Some songs can be the Word of God, the first verse, the second verse is nothing but doubt, fear, and unbelief. Just because a guy with initials behind his name or in front of his name this long doesn't mean it's right. In order to be scriptural, we've got to have scripture. So we're, we're drawing a line, okay, what is God, what is not God. Now here in 1 Kings 19, you have the prophet Elijah. I mean, he kicked some tail and took some names. You know, here, here he is, he comes up, and they gather all the prophets of Baal, 450 false prophets, the prophets of Baal come up, and here Elijah is saying, okay, I'm the last man standing. This is what he thought. So he gathers the people together, and he says, all right, guys, you take one bowl and you, you cut it up and you build the altar and you call out to your God and, and I'll, I'll build an altar and I'll sacrifice my bowl and, and we'll call out, I'll call out to my God and whichever God responds with fire, that's the ultimate God. He says, but you guys go first. So, so they build the altar and so here they start calling out to the, you know, all the different gods that they had. Oh, they're calling out. And, and so after a while, nothing. They hadn't heard a peep from nobody. Elijah starts jacking with them. I mean, this is in the Bible. He says, uh, won't you yell a little louder? I think he might be sleeping. <laughs> he, and they started cutting themselves. You know, that was a ritual and the blood was coming out of their cut. He said, I think your God might be busy. I think he might be on a journey. I don't, I don't think he's hearing. And so they just wear themselves out, calling on their God and nothing happens. So Elijah said, okay, it's my turn. He says, guys, what I want you to do is, is I, want you to, I want you to dig a ditch around the altar. Because remember, they're, they're calling fire down. He says, I not only want you to put one bucket of water on the sacrifice, I want you to put two, and I want you to put three, and I want you to put four. And it had ran over so much that it filled up the moat around the sacrifice. And when he called on his God, woo! Yeah. Instantly, and it says they, huh, and they fell down and they worshiped and said, You are the Almighty God. Yes. Great victory, right? Yes. So Ahab goes back, tells Jezebel, Your men got taken out. Elijah, I mean, cooked their biscuits. I mean, they're no more. Elijah here, so Jezebel, she says, Okay, Elijah, you send word to Elijah. What you did to my prophets, it's going to happen to you. And he takes off running from this woman. He just beat 450 men. One woman. Now, I didn't say what you're thinking. That's your imagination. I mean, I, you went all different types of places with that right there. I didn't go anywhere. You did that. You took it and run with that one. <laughs> yeah, I put it out there and you took it. You took it right away. 
Anyway, so here, here's Elijah. He goes up and he's, he's, he's praying to God and he, he, goes, he sits underneath this tree and he says, God, take my life. So I'm the last guy. And so he sleeps down. The angel wakes him up and tells him to eat some, eat some cake and drink some water. And he eats and he drinks and he, he goes back to sleep. And the angel wakes him up again and he, and he gets up and he eats and, he's, you know, he eats and drinks. And sure enough, he says, well, this food's going to sustain you for the next 40 days because what I've called you to is greater than what you have the energy to do. Pause. This is not just a story about somebody else. What you are called to takes you eating something that is not from this natural world. When we come here and we get in God's Word, this is us eating on a different level in order for us to be who God has called and created us to be. What we're called to do, we can't do it in our own strength. So it takes eating... Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If we want to live different, we got to eat different. You are what you eat. What you watch is a form of eating. What you hear is a form of eating. What you read is a form of eating. Who you hang out with is a form of eating. And so you know what the Lord says to Elijah? And, And the Lord has a sense of humor. Elijah is whining and moaning and pulling his ears, sucking his thumb. And the Lord said, Elijah, what are you doing here? In other words, man, get your sucker out of the dirt. And he says, go out, go out. And this is what happened. This is where he picked this up. Verse 11. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. What is God in and what is God not in? He said, there was a wind, but the Lord was not in the wind. So is God in every wind that tears stuff up? God is not in the business of picking up trailer houses and putting them in a ball through the form of a tornado and throwing it down to the next neighborhood and killing six babies and us say, well, you never know. God's ways are mysterious. God is not in the killing business. God is not in the stealing business. God is not in the destroying business. God is not in destructive winds. The Lord was not in the wind. Then after the wind, it was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. So you mean to tell me when, when uh, earthquakes take place and it swallows people's homes and it, and it wrecks their cars and it kills kids and it kills people and, uh, and adults and people just say, well, you know, everything happens for a reason and all things work together for good and God is in control. God is not in the earthquake. God is not in the destructive wind. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. What is God in? What is God not in? If it's killing, stealing, destroying, God is not in that. 
After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. You mean even if the insurance company tells me that he is? <laughs> Remember, in order to be scriptural, what do we got to have? Got to have scripture. What does the word say? Now, now why, why are we going over this? I know this is not a jump around and, you know, run around the building and whoa! But in order for you and I to be all that God's called and created us to be, we've got to see God correctly. Because if you don't know what's God and what's the devil, you're not going to know what to resist. You're not going to know what to stand for and what to resist. But there was a fire that God was in. Exodus chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight why the bush does not burn. See, when God is in the fire, there's no destruction. When God is in the fire, when you are on fire and you feel the presence of God and you've sensed the fire of God, there's no destruction. The bush was burning, but it did not, it was not consumed. The fire of God is not destructive. In this fire, Moses got the plan that was going to set millions of people free. In this fire, Moses got light about who he was and what God had called and created him to be. In the presence of God, you begin to see yourself the way God sees you. You begin to hear the voice of God on the inside of you. You begin to get a plan. You begin to have an action step. When Moses left that burning bush, it changed the course of the world. This fire that God was in, there was no killing, there was no stealing, there was no destroying, but there was light, there was health, there was encouragement, there was vision, there was strength, there was power, there was strategy. Amen. And He's the same yesterday, He's the same today, and He's the same forever. Amen. How about an earthquake that God was in? Go with me to Acts chapter 16, verse 25 and 26. Said, but about midnight, as Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now pause for a moment. Paul and Silas are here, are in prison, and they're praying and they're singing praises to God. Why would they be singing praises to God? Do you think that they prayed, Oh God, I know you're sovereign, and you're in control of these guys beating the dog out of me, so I believe we should just stay here another two years because you have a reason, and you're in control of everything. And God says, Why well, I'm in control, bless God, and I'm going to get you out of there. That's not what He said. Apparently, Paul and Silas believed that God was a delivering God. Apparently, Paul and Silas believed that God was their front and their rear and their top and their side. Apparently, they believed that if he's knocking and they invite him in, that when he gets involved in their situation, things are going to change. And they got over to the place of praise. You know when you're truly in a place of faith, when you're in a place of praise. Because praise is the highest expression of faith that there is because now you've prayed and now you know God watches over what you're praying and now you know that He hears you and now you know that He answers you and you've got it and you begin to praise and worship. Why? Because you believe that you've let Him in and He's going to do what He said He would do. Verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake 
so that the very foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all the doors were open and everyone's shackles were unfastened. How can we tell that God was in this earthquake? When they begin to praise and they begin to worship and the foundation was adjusted and all the doors flung open, not one shingle took out one mouse. Not one shingle took out a cat. Meow! But what did happen when this earthquake took place? They were singing. They were praising God. The earthquake took place. The doors flung open. The shackles fell off. There was no killing. There was no stealing. There was no destroying to the prisoners. Huh? Saw all the doors was open and it says that he grabbed his sword and he was going to kill himself because he thought he had just messed up. And Paul said, whoa, hang on. And salvation came to their house. When God is in the earthquake, salvation takes place. When God is in the fire, revelation takes place. When God is in the fire, light comes. When God is in the earthquake, people get set free. When things begin to shake in our life, it's because God has freedom on His mind for you. God was in this earthquake and it always added value to people. The heartbeat of God is always good. When God shows up, it isn't an earthquake takes place and, well, God has a reason. 36 are dead. God is not in the killing, stealing, and destroying. Come on. How, about, how about the wind? Go with me to Acts chapter 2. How about a, a wind that God was in? Verse 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house, and it took the top of the house off, and I mean, it flung them up against the wall, and it took ten of them out. No, that's not what he said. That's the way we, we look at God a lot of times. If God is in control, and God has a reason, and everything's going to work out, and, and if there's a wind, and it's destroying stuff, well, it just must be God. No, it's not. In this wind, look, look what happens. And a rushing mighty wind, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice God was in this wind, and it changed the course of, of the world. When the Spirit of God came in them, this was a wind that changed the world. They began to speak in other tongues. This wasn't some fruit loop thing like, oh my gosh, that is just so weird. Right. They began to speak in other tongues. The Bible says people just started gathering because they, they, they knew that they weren't educated, but they began to speak their language. See, when you experience the wind of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't take away and it doesn't make you fruit loop and a, a weird person. It brings power to your life. It says when you pray in other tongues, you're praying the wisdom of God. You're praying the answers of God. It says when you don't know what to pray, you pray in other tongues, and then the Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf. Right. Praying in other tongues has been looked at so strangely in the body of Christ, and it's a gift from a good dad oh, yeah. who wants to help you get to your destiny. Yes. It says it charges you up like a battery. Like when you pray in other tongues, it says you rise like an edifice higher and higher and higher and higher. It's a, it's a game changer. Man, if you, and if you're here tonight, believe me, we can pray and you'll receive it tonight and your life will be changed forever. But see, God was in a wind that brought change to a world. God was in an earthquake that brought change to a family. God was in a fire that set a nation free. 
See, when, when Jesus walked this earth, He was the express image of Almighty God. Go with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Now, re remember, God and the devil, they don't swap jobs. You know, the Lord doesn't get up in the morning and say, I mean, I'm very irritable today. I feel like smashing some stuff. Devil, how about we swap jobs today? <laughs> he doesn't do that. He's good, and he's only good. The devil is bad, and he's only bad. Remember, remember, he stands at the door and knocks. Whose responsibility is it to let him in? James chapter 4, verse 8, we draw near to Him, then He will draw near to us. Now, don't get me wrong. God is all-present. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. But it doesn't mean that He's involved in your life. Mm -hmm. Just because He's everywhere, just because He's all-knowing and all-powerful, doesn't mean He's involved in everything we do in church. He's only involved to the degree I invite Him in. Do we want to invite him in and you sit back there on the back row? But if you, at least he's in the house, at least he's in the room, if you keep hanging out with him, then keep inviting him to move up. Keep inviting him to move up and to move up and to move up and to move up and to move up until he's involved in every single thing that you're doing. Look at this in verse 15. Colossians 1.15, Now he, talking about Jesus is the exact likeness of the unseen God. The visible representation of the invisible, He is the firstborn of all creation. Notice that. He is the exact likeness of the unseen God. Hebrews 1 verse 3 in the Amplified. He is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outrain or radiance of the divine. And He is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature of holding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by His mighty word of power. And then you can go on and keep reading. But see, notice this. He is the exact likeness of the unseen God. He is the sole expression of the glory of God. He is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. When you look at Jesus, you see the heartbeat of Almighty God. Amen. John chapter 1, verse 1, verse 14, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. When we look at Jesus, we see the Father. Now think with me for a moment. How could Jesus stand up and rebuke the wind and the waves and the storm? Because he knew that his father was not in the storm. How could he look at sickness right in its face and tell it to get out of here? Because he knew his father was not in the sickness. How could he command the devil, you let that person go and the devil would have to flee because he knew the father was not in the devil. And when you and I know what God is in and we know what he is not in, your, your revelation, your awareness goes to a new level and you will not allow that sickness to, to consume your body. We will not allow that lack to continue to dominate our life. We will not be some measly mouth, wimpy, diaper-wearing Christians. I used to hate the old westerns when I was a little kid and the preacher would have this little Bible and he had his knees and I didn't even know Jesus and I thought, that is the oddest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And then when I gave my life to the Lord, it's like, are you kidding me? You can't be a panty waist and live for Jesus. Yeah, come on. That's right. Come on. You're right. That's good. How 
<laughs> yeah. So how do we know when to take our dominion, to take our authority? How do we know when to resist? How do we know when to stand? When we realize if it's good, then God is in it. If it's bad, God is not in it. Now, it could be us the reason that the bad's happening. First thing we want to check is right here. Because a lot of times we want to live this no-fault religion. Right? Okay, God, well, you're in control of everything, so I can act like an idiot, and you got it. No. Remember, who lets him in? And yes, we're going to make mistakes. And yes, we're a work in progress. And yes, it's a continual learning process. But when we know what God is in and what God is not in, it changes the way you look at things. It changes your assignment. It changes your purpose. When John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, he says, I, I tell you to do greater works. In my name, you command things. And whatever you command, it's going to happen. See, when you know what God is in and what God is not in, you'll stand your ground. I can't tell you how many times I've stood there and tornadoes coming right at us, and I speak to that thing. I command you to reroute in the name of Jesus. I command the high pressures, the low pressure, and I was beginning to speak to that thing, and I command you to reroute, and that thing will just turn. I told you a story. Before I was doing this roping school, and sure enough, they come in. I mean, they just they are just freaked out. The fear just escalates, and they show the radar. Oh, my God, it's coming this way, and I said, whoa, it ain't coming here as long as I'm here. And I began to speak to that thing, and sure enough, we walk outside, and it is black, and within three minutes, it was as clear as you could be. Amen. And this guy, is down, down south, he goes, boy, you got the juice. <laughs> I said, yeah, you can have him. His name is Jesus. We've been flying. We've been driving the same thing. And I mean, just hell going all around us, physical hell and storms. And we have that type of dominion and authority. But we've got to know that God is not in... Well, bless God, God has a reason for me getting mowed down by this tornado. I told you a couple weeks ago, I was in Australia, and I mean, this sickness jumped on me just, I mean, so quick. And they were going to invite us, you know, do all this stuff, introduce us at the rodeo and all this type of stuff. And I'm, you know, I try to be aware of who I'm around and I'm, where they're at in their relationship with God. But there's times you don't, I mean, you got to take the bull by the horns. <laughs> And so this lady, she's our, because I went over a week earlier and saw other type of stuff, and then the American team came over after that. So they had this bus, and they was driving us around and everything. And so I told the lady, I said, I, I, I want you to take me back to the room. I need to receive my healing. I was going to get the word going and just recover and stuff like that. And I'm telling you what, I mean, it hit me. And we get in the car, and I told her, I said, listen, I'm fixing to start praying out loud, and I want you to agree with me. And I mean, I just took dominion and authority over this. I said, sickness, I command you to get out of my body. And I just began to declare this. I just spoke to my body from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And I said, amen. I, and I said, now pull over. And I pull over. And I, I mean, I threw up. I mean, like five times like I haven't thrown up. And I don't know how. I mean, just, and I was like, whew, I feel better. I get back in the car and I shut the door and she's like this. <laughs> she said, I've never seen anything like that before in my life. But it opened up the door to share with her about Jesus, and she accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. See, when we know what God is not in, then we're not going to settle for things. I wish you could have seen her face. I'm sure. 
It was awesome. So how do we learn about the character and nature of our Father? Start, start, I encourage you, start in the Gospels. Because when you see the way that Jesus dealt with sickness, you see the heart of the Father. When you see the way that Jesus dealt with storms, you see the heart of the Father. You don't see Jesus going around and putting sickness on anybody. Do you? No, you don't. But you do see Him healing every single person that came to Him in faith for healing. You did not see Jesus going around and stirring up hurricanes. But you do see Him commanding the winds and the waves to stop and peace be still. You don't see Jesus calling in, Hey, devils, come on in here. Come on. Come on, get in this guy. Let's teach him a lesson. Oh, you're learning. You're learning something, aren't you? You're learning. No, but you do see Him commanding them to leave, and they have to leave. Because that's the heart of the Father. Because the earth He has given to the children of men, and Jesus came back to give the dominion and authority back to you and I, so we would know what God is in, what God is not in, for us to take our place, to run our race, and to be all that we can be for the glory of God. But we've got to know, we've got to know, is God in control of everything? No, he's not. He's only in control to the degree that we invite him in. Does everything, uh, everything work out for good? No, it doesn't. Only to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God is good. God is faithful. John chapter 14, and it's not on your sheets, but I just want to read this. It came up in me and we're going to get ready to close. John chapter 14, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I just want to read this, John chapter 14. Verse 5, John 14, verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Notice Jesus didn't say, now, now, Tom, you know, I know, I know it's hard to understand God's ways. You know, Tom, I think if you're a good guy, probably get on in. That's not what he said. He didn't say, how about let's get together and there's all, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of gods and there's a lot of ways to the Father. That's not what he said. Keep reading verse 6. And Jesus said to him, I am the way. You should see some of your facial expressions like, did he really say that? No, he did not say that. (laughs) Verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my Father. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Verse 8, and Philip said to him, Lord... Show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Jesus said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that same life that was in Jesus is the same life that's in you and I. That's why he says, now I want you to go and I want you to do greater works. That the way you saw me 
deal with lack, the way you saw me deal with sickness, the way you saw me deal with storms. Now, now I want to say this. I have prayed and things have not happened before. It is a learning process. But stay in the game. I've prayed for horses and they've died. But I've also prayed for horses that were going to die and God raised them up. Stay in the game. I prayed for babies and they died. I've also prayed for babies that were dead and they come back to life. Stay in the game. Just because we don't see something or we don't experience it the first time, settle this, God didn't miss it. If it didn't happen, if it's something didn't work out, I've got to look right here. I've got to take responsibility. Yes, yes. Where's my thinking? Where's my faith? There's been times that whenever we have something happen with our horses or something, them try to colic or something like that. I say, uh-uh, you get off of them. I mean, I'll just come right at them with the word. Then there's other times I'm so tired and so strong. I've got to be real with myself when things have happened and say, man, all right, we're just, we just got to take them to the vet. We've got to learn to be real with ourselves. Where am I truly at? I can't play like I'm somewhere that I'm not. Yeah, that's it. Come on. That's good. That's why it's a, it's a process. Stay in the game. Yeah, that's good. Yes, sir. Stay in the game. Yes. My Lord. Faith always unplugs at the question mark. Why do you think the devil has done a really good job of confusing the body of Christ? Yes, Amen. Or we say, God, you're good. But he's putting sickness on me to teach me something. God, you're good, but this car wreck that killed four people, well, God, you're in control. And we go around and we say, praise you, Jesus, but there's a question mark on the inside. If all hell breaks loose in my life, God, are you going to show up for me? And it leaves a big question mark. And anytime there's a question mark, that's where we've got to go to God's Word and, to, and, and, and get it on our mind and get it in our heart and get it in our mouth until the question mark is removed yes. and now there's a period. Yes. Yes. That if God said it to him, he said it to me. If God did it for them, God will do it for me. God is no respecter of person. If God restored their life, He'll restore my life. If God set them free, He'll set me free. If God blessed them, He'll bless me. If God took all my brokenness and brought it together and He can use them, He can use me. But we've got to settle it on the inside. If anybody's going to experience God, it's going to be me. If anybody's going to have their prayers answered, who's it going to be? Me. If anybody's going to walk in the power of God, who's it going to be? Me. 